And I wanted to say, first of all, thank you for coming. Uh, it takes time, and I hope you're doing well. Um. Something. Uh, so let's go ahead and read our verse together. Uh, Leviticus 19.2. Speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. My goal and our, hopefully all of us, we don't just come here and we enjoy the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ and we learn something and we go home and life just goes on. I hope that this lesson will continue to permeate our hearts and minds and we'll think about it throughout the week for specific change in our lives, me included. I, I say this often, I learn more because I get to teach it. Uh, you tend to do that. Um, that's why I think you're more accountable because the more you know, the more you're responsible for. And uh, thankfully, uh, I, I'm growing in the Lord through teaching these lessons. James 4, 1 to 17. It's the chapter. So follow along with me. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, I'm going to stop here again and remind you of something. Who is James writing to? Christians. Christians. Where are these Christians? Well, he's, he's writing from Jerusalem, but... Remember from the beginning, he's writing to persecuted Christians who have been dispersed. They're all over. So these, these Jewish Christians, primarily, Gentiles were getting saved as well, but primarily Jewish Christians who are now scattered abroad, and they're dealing with all kinds of issues. And now he comes in here, now imagine this, you, you're displaced, you leave your home because of persecution and you go someplace. Imagine if Virginia became persecuted. Christians became persecuted in Virginia. And you had to leave your home quickly or you would be killed or imprisoned or sent to the lions or whatever. And you said, I'm going to Florida. <laughs> and you walk, and you start walking to Florida. You get on something, you know, and you go to Florida. You and you're and there's a stream of people leaving, and they're going all over. Some are going here, and some are going there. In the midst of it all, do you think that there could be some attitudes? You think there could be some people that are frustrated, angry. They're, they're not getting along with each other. They're not, um, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're frustrated that they don't have what they had when they were back home. In fact, remember the children of Israel when they left Egypt? They started complaining. We should be back in Egypt. At least we had food there. Where's our fish? Yeah, exactly. You know? So he, be reminded of that. He's writing these people. He goes, where's quarrels and fights? Where's it coming from? 
Is it, you know, these things are going on. You adulterous people. Man, he's getting harsh with them. We're displaced, and he's talking to us this way. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Now, why would they be a friend of the world? Because they want stuff. They want to be happy. In other words, their Jewish culture wasn't meeting their needs the way they had them in the past. And so now they're, they're doing all kinds of things, and they're becoming friends with this world. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve mourn and wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up brothers and sisters do not slander one another anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it when you judge the law you're not keeping it but sitting in a, in judgment on it there's only one lawgiver and judge the one who's able to save and destroy but you who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into the city or that and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes all boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, there's a lot packed into this chapter. And I, I wrote it this in one lesson, which will take two weeks. <laughs> just give me a heads up. Okay? Because it's not just a simple, easy break. This really flows from one idea into the next. But this whole concept is ultimately... How do we treat God and how do we treat others? Okay? Why can't we get along? Well, think about that. Why can't we get along? Because people want their own way. Because <laughs> people want their own, their own way. Human relationships can be complicated. Why? Humans are complicated. Why else? You have to compromise. Not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. You have to compromise. Yeah, Tom. I mean, those of us who are believers, we have, the, we have a war within us, you know, between the flesh and the spirit. So that in itself complicates things. Absolutely. And what does that, what does the, the, the what does the battle rage in? What are, what, are, what are those things that we battle with? What's the, what's the battle between? Flesh. The flesh and the spirit. And, the spirit. and the, we know the things of the flesh are those desires that we have that are ultimately destructive. Now, none of us in this room want to lead a destructive life. And yet we'll make choices at times that are very destructive. 
Now, we don't think of it that way until we've gotten into it and realize the result of it. I mean, how many times has someone done something and later they make this statement, I never realized it was going to get to this. I never expected it to happen this way. I never thought that this would be the result. Because ultimately, people want to be happy. And they think that by doing X, Y, Z, that something positive is going to result from it. And when it doesn't, surprisingly, they're shocked. And reality comes into place. And then all of a sudden, we begin to go, why did that happen? And often, we know this is true, we like to shift the blame. So ultimately then, if we're not happy, it's God's fault. And then once we get past God, we go to others, it's your fault, you know, and we get down to us last, it's my fault. No, no, it's not, so we'll figure out some other you know, reason it's, it's wrong. Spiritual warfare is a reality. Do you agree with that this morning? Yes. Okay, so there is spiritual warfare going on. This is a reality in all of our lives, okay? Someone read for me Ephesians 6, 11 to 13. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the days of evil come, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, you stand. Here's the issue. He wants, God wants you to be able to stand firm. Obviously, there's a foundation. That's Jesus Christ, the rock, to stand on and his truth to stand on that. But we have to put on the full armor of God because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, we may think it's my boss, it's my spouse, it's my child, it's my neighbor, it's my whomever, okay, a family member. It's they're causing this problem. The issue is spiritual in nature. It's spiritual warfare. That's why even in the midst of things that, you know, either God is working through situations, he may even be working, uh, allowing Satan to work through things. Remember, God, by permission, gave Satan the permission to destroy Job's family, his property, his belongings, you know, everything that he owned, even his own body's health. He just couldn't destroy or kill him. You think, why would a good God do that? Because ultimately, there is a spiritual war going on and it's also so that we learn in reality, and that's what I love about the Bible. If, you, if I was writing the Bible, would I have included Job? Absolutely not. But he did. He allowed Job's to be, Job to be written so that we can understand God allows evil in our lives. He allows things to happen in our life that we don't want. <clears throat> and he ultimately does it like the life of Joseph. You meant it for evil. But what? God meant it for good. God allowed his brothers to sell him 
into slavery. And he went through all of those circumstances ultimately for God's glory. But from a human perspective, we'd be like, are you kidding me? I'm in prison for two years after the baker, you know, the, it's like, really? The, you know, the baker's dead, his head's gone, but his servant who poured the wine forgets about him. Why? Human nature. As long as I'm okay, woohoo! Life is good. He forgot about, you know, Joseph in prison. Yeah, Tish. I was thinking in all the scenarios, it's about the bigger picture. God scattered the Christians so the word of God could get out. God shows us Job also to know that even in Job, there is some pride that we all need to be humble before him. And, you know, it's all about the bigger picture in all of it. And, and we often get very narrow in our perception of things. Do we think about eternity in the big picture of why God does what he does? does do we see the big picture in how we may be influenced in other people's lives? The influence that you are going to make that will ultimately, it's that one conversation that you're faithful in sharing. And God uses that situation that transforms that person's life, that transforms potentially millions. We never know what our life will entail. But it's a spiritual warfare that we're facing. And it, it is, you know, can't we get along with each other? Now, so my question today is, are you willing to get along with people for the gospel's sake? Are you willing to get along with people so that ultimately you can share the Lord with them? Because we don't know what is going to happen in that person's life that all of a sudden they ask you a question that blows you out of the water. You're thinking, you know, I don't know who they're, they're just a jerk. And then all of a sudden, one day, they come up to you and go, hey, I was talking to so-and-so, and they said you were a Christian. Is that true? And you're like, okay, is this a test? <laughs> What's going on here? And they, uh, they ask you about your faith. When this is what's going on in my life, and I just needed some help. And you're thinking to yourself, really? Can God do that? Has he done it before? Yeah, no. Yes. And he'll do it again. How does conflict impact the mission of the church? Now, this is strategic. If, as we're thinking through this, how does conflict in the home, at work, in the community, impact the mission of the church? Because the church is made up of all those people. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the church is made up of those types of people? Yeah, Don? It becomes a distraction to the mission? Have you ever thought or have you ever heard someone say, well, because I'm going through this, I, don't, I think I'd be a hypocrite if I shared my faith, if I witnessed. Do you know how many, how many times Satan's like, you're not worthy to talk about your faith because you've gotten blank. You did blank. You did blank. You're going through blank. And all of a sudden, we begin to think, I'm not worthy of living the spiritual life, and I can blame everybody else, or I can even blame myself, and I just go into hiding 
in the reality, I isolate myself from other Christians. I isolate myself from the, un the unsaved. Why? Because I'm not worthy. And when conflict occurs, Satan wins. Because all of a sudden now, when we're in conflict, when we're not unified, we're, when we're not on the same page, we're not, we're, we're not on the same team, all of a sudden now, the mission of the church ceases. People stop going to church. They stop giving to church. They stop sharing their faith. They stop serving in the church. It, they isolate themselves from the body. You know, those hypocrites, you know, and all of a sudden we get this hypocrisy thing. And I'm not going to be around those people as if, you know, those people are all the bad people of the world. And, the, you know, in the world, boy, now everyone gets along with the world because, you know, everybody knows their name. Let's just go to the bar. <laughs> Everybody's happy there. You think about that. It's like, well, you know, when you live, everybody's happy when you live in sin. And that's what the world tells you. If you just live in sin, you'll be happy. And it takes you down a path. And then all of a sudden, one day, you look up and you realize, how did I get here? How did we get to this place? And it starts with very simple actions or thoughts that lead to actions. I don't need people. I don't need those people, etc. James 4, 1 to 3 says, what causes those fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? Okay? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So the source of conflict with others is that they originate in our own personal desires that conflict with God and others. What are examples of these desires that are destructive? What are, what are destructive desires that we can have? Yeah. I was thinking it goes with this, but also what you were talking about before. I mean, the devil starts to talk to you. You're listening to the wrong voice. Yeah. You know, if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, you would be you'd overcome these destructive desires and the church would be impacted if we would listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Exactly. We start to be Satan is the father of what? Lies. Lies. And we start to hear lies. And we start start to believe lies. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Will someone read that for me? You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So the exa one example of the desires that are destructive is pride and hatred. Pride. Hatred. When we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, and we begin to think, I deserve better than this. Have that, has that not been the mantra, the statement of our culture for decades? It's all about you. It's all about your happiness. You're worth it. 
and we begin to start thinking about ourselves that we deserve better than what we have right now. And so there's a better way to, there's got to be a better way to get whatever this is, this happiness, and we, we, we deserve it. And then it's also hatred. So when we get prideful about ourselves, we begin to disdain or hate others. Yeah. C.S. Lewis said that pride, of all the vices, pride was the worst vice of all. Yes. That Satan got kicked out of heaven because of pride. Because of pride. He became his own God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to rule. And that is what's created all of this. Okay? And because of that, aren't we satanic when we do the same exact thing? When we become puffed up ourselves, when we become prideful, and then what pride leads to us not loving others. Yeah, Steve? Paul had a problem with pride, didn't he? A little bit, yeah. He said he had to get a thorn in the flesh from God because he would become problem with what he had seen and experienced. Yeah, and God had to work, God knew exactly what to do in his life, so he allowed the thorn in the flesh. And Paul had his own thing, he went to God to fix it three times, and he says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, right? And God sometimes answers our prayers the same way, no, you need to go through this because you need to, to trust in me and not yourself. Because otherwise, you'll start trusting yourself. If, if, you're, you know, if, if our life, there's nothing wrong with planning. We had a message at the beginning of the year, first Sunday of the year. I always do it on how to plan. You don't fail, you plan to fail, you fail to plan. And so we don't do that. And there's nothing wrong with planning. But there is something very wrong with self-sufficiency. I've got this. I can handle it myself. I don't need you. And that could be with God or others. So pride, that puffed up self and hatred. He says, you know, it's the anger that we have and it's destructive. Second desire is covetousness that leads to broken relationships. Someone read Luke 12, 15 for me. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist of possessions. Now think about that for a moment. Ask yourself the question, does your human value consist of what you have? And I'm not talking about even just houses. I'm talking about degrees. A title. I am blank. This is me. And that makes me somebody who deserves more. I can't tell you the number of times that even on, throughout the years, and usually it's the police department at Liberty that hears this, but someone, and I've been friends with the police guys for years, and someone will drive on the campus of Liberty and want to go and park someplace that they're not supposed to, or they're supposed to do something that they're not supposed to. And the statement that comes out of their mouth is this, don't you know who I am? I don't care. For us professors, it's don't you know who my parent is? Or don't you know who my parent is? If I was in college with him, do you want to know about him? Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, I do. But think about it, ourselves, how we sometimes think, I deserve better than this. And it's like, do we really? 
But no, there's nothing wrong with having respect, being respected. Okay, that's huge. Okay, the, the book Love and Respect is right on the money. And there is a need for love and respect. But sometimes we begin to think that our value is in what we do rather than whose we are. And we begin to value ourselves based on what we have. And the, the Bible clearly communicates to us, which he says even here. I remembered it because I memorized it in King James. But what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. What is your life? A mist. It's over. I've told this to Cheryl many times. It doesn't matter how many students I've had. You know, I probably have had 40,000 students now in my tenure there. And you can, you know, people go, oh, they love you. I told Cheryl several times, the year I retire or die, a year later, people will go, Lou, <laughs> They're done and they're gone. It's like I can go into my classrooms right now and talk about Jerry Sr. I can weep at the videos and my students will go, who's he? He's the founder. So? <laughs> it's like a historical figure. Hey, Patrick Henry lived here. Who's he? Give me liberty, give me death. Oh, is he the guy that said that? You just become a historical figure. Oh, what's this picture up there? Who's that? Oh, I don't care. We care about the now. Watch out. Be under God against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of things that we have. Romans 3, 8 through 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another. In other words, I owe you as a brother or sister in Christ my love. Unconditional love. The debt that I have because of Jesus paid it all, my debt is to love you. And whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So covetousness that leads to broken relationships, that covetousness when we desire something is the opposite of love. When we desire something for ourselves, we covet it. I want that. Is it fulfilled in the principle of love? Third example, independence from God, which leads to selfishness. Okay. Independence from God. Lack of prayer reveals our independence from God. But when we pray, we reveal our dependence upon God. We can go through life and we just go, you know, I pray at mealtimes and that's what we do. But what's your prayer life like? How, how desperate are you for God in your own personal life? Someone read for me to Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, stop there. That last phrase, think about that statement. Here's a, a command from Paul, okay? Rather, in humility, okay? Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Does that fly in the face of our culture today? I am going to deny myself because I value your interest. In other words, in a marriage, how can I meet your needs rather than demanding you to meet mine? With children, I'll, I'll, I'll spend time with you for what you want to do rather than what I do. I mean, that was, I, I, I've got to be honest, that was hard for me. You know, Crystal was my game girl. She loved, and she to this day, they love to play games. And I like to play games sometimes. <laughs> and it was hard when to say sometimes, and Crystal could probably affirm, there's probably times when she wanted to play a game, and I was like, mm. <laughs> Michelle was the movie girl. She wanted to watch a movie. That's more my speed at times. Because, you know, I'm done with talking. I've taught all week, and I just want to chill. I want something that I don't have to think about. You know, just give me something, you know. But games, when you're competitive, it's like you've got to be on your toes because Crystal's competitive. She wants to win. So, if, you know, and if, you just, if you want to actually play well with her, you've got to be on your game. And it's like, my brain is tired. But it's okay. You know, but at times, I, I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to play a game. But she wants to play a game, so let's play a game. And that was good. I want that. But that's, you know, but you've got to deny yourself. I, I, you know, it's like, thankfully, Cheryl and I are basically on the same page when it comes to meals. Some of you aren't. You want to go to blank? No. You, well, how about, no. All right, then. You eat blank and I'll eat blank. <laughs> you know, what you don't want to do is end up eating one place, one place, but you never eat together because you don't like what each other does. That's not healthy. Okay. Man, eleven fifty-six. Lord have mercy. <laughs> James four four to You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship, the source of our conflict with God, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. In other words, the source of our conflict with God is when we have a love relationship with the world. Do we love the world more than we love God? And that's where we'll pick up next week. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, teach us not to fight but to get along, to love, not to tear down. Teach us, Lord, to be kind, forgiving, gracious, understanding, peaceful. God, help us to be like you. 
and not like this world. Help us to love you and your word and not worldliness. For we pray this in Jesus' name. May we live so and, the, and do this into the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. I love you all. Have a great week.